Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. The title of my talk today is Hidden Hallmark Wisdom. Hidden Hallmark Wisdom. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you probably have this experience too. One of the first things that happens, I think, to a lot of us in our culture, as Christmas is coming, we start to line up all the Christmas movies we want to watch. Um, because Christmas movies are sort of synonymous with the season, with uh, Christmas. And I'm sure you have all of your favorites. And uh, and yet, like, I think the the season to watch Christmas movies, at least for us, like is expanding and is expanding. It starts sliding back, like maybe the week before, maybe two weeks before, maybe like Thanksgiving, you're going to start watching some, maybe a little bit before that. Before long, it's like, well, family month's here. It's October. So is it okay to start doing, uh, you know, holiday movies? And and um, the, the trouble with that is, is that there's not enough good holiday movies to sustain you, uh, the appetite that we have for Christmas movies. And so eventually you are going to burn through uh, your favorites, you know, your your Christmas vacations, your Christmas stories, your elves, your diehards, you know, the classics. And eventually in sort of like a, a holiday stupor, you are going to find yourself sort of stumbling onto the Hallmark Channel. Now, I'm not saying I'm proud of it, Okay. But I'm saying it's happened, all right? How many of you would admit that you have seen a Hallmark movie or two in your, in your lifetime, okay? Uh, a lot of ladies, a lot of ashamed men, and that's fine. That's fine, okay? Or maybe it's the proof of your love for the woman in your life. Or maybe it's just a weird thing you do by yourself that you should share with your small group. Um, I don't know why you ended up there. But I will tell you, like, when you get into that whole sphere of things, um, you notice that there's a, there's a formula that they use, right? There's, they're very predictable, sort of cheesy love stories. And one of the things I started realizing is that apparently they all pretty much star the same two women. It's the same two ladies, Lacey Chambert and Cameris, uh, Candace Cameron, right? Uh, which is weird, right? So you get to watch DJ Tanner fall in love uh, with 17 different men that is her one and only again, which is, it's complicated, it's confused. Um, And, you know, what always happens, right, is that she ends up in a small town and she stumbles onto this man who, she couldn't be more perfect for her. And um, he is... The weird thing about it is, you know, he is, he's been single for 21 years, um, like since he came to dating age, right? And despite the fact that he has these like rugged good looks and he uh, goes to church regularly and he's good with children and he has a wildly successful handcrafted wooden furniture business, um, like he has not been able to find love. And, uh, but, you know, when she comes into town, Um, suddenly they meet and man, the sparks fly and he just, he couldn't be a better like father figure to her, you know, seven kids from the previous relationship and it just, everything just comes together. And all these movies end with a proposal, right? That's the thing that we're all working towards, that we're getting excited about. It moves to the proposal, uh, a Christmas proposal. Could there be any more special thing? And I'm not knocking this because uh, my wife and I got engaged 
uh, around Christmas time with all the Christmas lights. It's a magical time for a proposal. And like, and so I, I get it. And in case you haven't seen a Hallmark movie before, um, like the, the proposals tend to work in a similar sort of way. Um, someone professes their love and then they, they ask for a commitment, okay? There's usually a diamond involved. Um, in case you, you don't know how it works, uh, guys, there should be a diamond involved. I just want you to know, like, there should be some sort of an upfront investment of, like, I would like for you to devote your life to me, and I have devoted a lot of money to this for you. So it's like, uh, you, want a, you want that sort of exchange, you know? Like, not like a, I was thinking maybe if you said yes, we could pick something out and put on layaway. You don't want to do that because that's not, that's like a shady sort of a thing. And the question that they're asking, you're asking, right, is like, will you marry me? And, and once you ask the question, then you wait. You wait for the response. And that's the scariest part of a proposal. Um, you know, somebody in, in, uh, that lives in our house, uh, John, um, he just recently proposed in the whole week. I mean, obviously she said no, but like, guys, it is not the point. No, I'm just kidding. She said yes, but like, that's his nervousness, right? I think like if you're going into a proposal, you want to sort of know that maybe the yes is probably the way it's going to go, but there's still the nervousness. There's the nervousness that you're not going to do it right, that you're going to botch it, that like, you don't know what she's going to say. And there is no longer moment in a man's life than those few moments after you say all the things and then you ask the question and you're kneeling down with the ring and you're waiting for the response. And some of you ladies are so kind and and in that you're just like, they're like, will you? And you're like, yes. And you grab it and you put it on and uh, you've already called three people before he gets up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's maybe a little too eager, but it's nice because then there's the relief, right? Um, and other times there's, there's like a longer period, right? Where maybe she's in shock or she's like, just doesn't know what's happening or she's trying to put it together or she's so in awe of the moment. And there's just the waiting period. And like, it feels like years of this man's life are going by and it's like, oh, what have I done? And now of course, um, this didn't exist when I was getting engaged, but like now we film it. And so it's just, it's all on video and it's nerve wracking. One of the things my daughter likes to like find weird YouTube videos to show me. And um, she's showed me a reel of people that get rejected in proposals. And uh, oh, man, it's brutal. Uh, but if you have a twisted sense of humor like Tegan Smith, it's also kind of enjoyable. And it's excruciating, right? Like that watching that, 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 that time pass. And... Um, you know, this is something that you may not have thought about before, but a proposal and an engagement are not the same thing. And this is why I would set the two things apart. A proposal is one person making a request, but an engagement involves someone else promising to participate. So a proposal can be one-sided, but an engagement cannot. And you know, if someone proposes, but there's not a response or a positive response, guess what? You proposed, but you are not engaged. It did not pan out. Because engagement is something different. It, it requires 
more than one person to actually step in to the relationship and decide to move forward together. And whether we're talking about a marriage or a business deal or like a family get together, essentially I would reduce it down to this. A proposal is an invitation to ongoing participation. It's saying like, hey, I would like uh, for you, I would like to, this is the risk, right? I would like to invite you to like engage with me, you know, just for forever. <laughs> this is a big thing to put out there, right? And the reason I bring all this up is I think the original Christmas story in scripture through this lens is really just a series of proposals um, from God to humanity. And, and, and there's sort of this, this, this formula that it follows where there is a declaration that is made and then there's a call to action because that's the way proposals work. And like all engagement stories, all of the, the sort of unique characters have their own engagement story. Like they're unique to them and they highlight the personalities of the people involved and their temperament and how they respond to things. Um, but they are sort of formulaic um, in, in, in that it's kind of like, okay, God shows up and is like, okay, this is who you are and, and this is what I'm asking you to do. Like, this is who I see you to be and this is what I would like to ask you to do. And that's the same sort of way that engagements work um, in Hallmark movies, like in our lives, in our stories. And I think this is interesting, the fact that God enters into humanity and, and, and sort of these first interactions in the New Testament in the Jesus story are God answering these two questions. I think the two biggest questions that all people have, like, who am I and what am I supposed to be doing? And God shows up and, and it interacts with people and says, this is who I see you to be and this is what I am asking you to do. And it, and it happens sort of in different in different ways, right? Like the way that God interacts with people. Um, if we look at, at Mary's part of the story, like she has a vision, which wouldn't that be awesome? But essentially, if you look at the content of the vision, it's just an affirmation. Like the angel begins by just saying like, um, Mary, like I, uh, I see you and you're favored and God has a plan for you and you can do this. And Mary is filled with joy, and then she's asked to do something on behalf of God based on who she is. Um, in, in the story of the Magi that we've sort of been tracing this entire month, um, they see a star. What really what it is, is it's God giving them a sense of direction, of God just saying like, listen, just start moving this way. Just, just start like moving in this direction, I mean, seeing a star and just being like, maybe that way, that's pretty vague. But this is what they get. Joseph has a, a dream. And in the dream, he's told something really specific. He's like, listen, Mary is not messing around on you. Which he needed to hear. Because he had sort of jumped to these conclusions and made all these assumptions and had basically decided to sabotage what would be 
the best thing in his life. Anybody else have the Joseph problem where like your brain starts to run away with you and you're like, oh, I know what's going on here. And you build this whole story in your head and then you start panicking and then you decide to just sort of push back before things get too crazy and you need a little bit of divine correction. This is what happens to Joseph in his dream. An angel comes just like, listen, you've got it wrong. You don't understand what's happening. Don't jump to conclusions. Just do this thing that I'm asking you to do. Trust me, it's okay. And, and then the shepherds, right, this entire angelic chorus appears to them, which would be incredible. But essentially, this is a moment of inspiration where, like, the angels tell them, like, listen, like, God has come and there's going to be peace on the entire earth. I have a message for all the people everywhere. This is a massive, expansive view of what God is going to do. It's different than sort of uh, the, the affirmation that Mary receives, which is like, listen, you were favored. I need you to do this thing. You're going to be okay. It's different than the vague direction of like, just move that direction. And it's like, what for? It's like, you yeah, find out. It's different than the correction of like, you've got it wrong. Like, listen, just don't react right now. Just wait for a minute and just take it a step at a time. Um, believe the best until you find out the rest. It's a moment of inspiration where it's like, man, when this thing plays out, it is going to change the entire world. This small little thing is going to snowball and become this way bigger thing. So keep this big picture in mind. And I, I think the thing that we can draw out of this is that maybe, you know, you haven't gotten a vision from God or you haven't seen like a miraculous star or you didn't have like a divine dream or an angel didn't appear to you. But I think that you probably have had moments with God where he was very intentional, if you're paying attention, about bringing affirmation, direction, correction, and inspiration into your life in order to communicate to you who you are and what you're to do next. And I, I think like what has happened to these people in the Christmas story is the same as probably what is happening in your story this Christmas. I, I really fully believe like God has proposed, but are you engaged? And that's the question like I, I hope that you wrestle with this Christmas. Like the whole Christmas story that we keep playing and unpacking in different ways is a big way of saying like God has proposed. Are you engaged? Because engagement requires more than him, you know, professing his love and asking for a commitment. It requires your response. It re requires you to actually do something. I wonder if for a lot of us, we are that moment in these awkward proposal videos where God has like elaborately told us how much he loves us and how he sees us. And he has like invited us into a relationship with him and he's just sort of down on one knee and we're just sort of like standing there, waiting. And the tension of everyone watching is building. And we're wondering why nothing is happening, not realizing that God has done his part and he's waiting on us to do ours. And what I think is interesting about this all these different pieces of the, the Christmas story is that the next step for each of these people is clear. 
but it's not, it's not very clear where taking that next step is going to lead them beyond it. Like, here's what I need you to do next. But there's not really any commentary about what after that. And that's, I think, hard for a lot of people. It would have been hard for these people. This vague instruction. I think we forget this because we have the luxury of knowing the whole story and how it's going to play out. But in the moment, all these people know is that God loves them and that God is requesting them to engage with him in some very small practical way. You think about really the takeaway. I went back through and read all these over and over and over again this morning just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. And if you read the story of Mary, essentially the only thing that really she's being told to do, the very, like right now, what do you want me to do right now? You know what the instruction really is? Take care of your body. What? Yeah, you're going to have a baby. You're going to need to take care of your body and don't stress. Okay, then what after that? Well, it's just, it's got to grow. It's going to take some time. Like there's other characters. I don't have time to explain it, okay? Take care of your body. Don't stress too much. With the Magi, you know really what the instruction is? Um, pack and leave. That's it. And then what, what, what after that? I, I mean, I'm, you'll find out after you get to where you're going. Where are we going? Where the star leads you. Where is it leading us? I, I think you'll see once you get there. Very vague and yet understandably specific. Joseph's instruction is essentially, don't divorce this woman. Don't jump to conclusions. Think the best, lean into the relationship. But like, how's it going to work? And like, I mean, is it like, are we going to have like 15 babies that aren't mine that are like magically from out of the, you know, how is this going to work? Where's it going to go? What am I going to do? Like, I don't know. How do I provide? Like, I, what, you know, how do I address? And it's just like, listen, just don't, don't jump to conclusions. Just lean into the relationship. Love this woman. Take care of her. And then what? The shepherds are essentially told like, go to Bethlehem and look, and then tell other people what you saw. And, and then what? That's, then we'll, we'll find out from there. We tend to not really like these types of instructions from God, and yet the entire crux of the Christian faith is built upon people engaging with a proposal with just one single step. One answer, one action, that's it. And this is difficult for us to do in our day and age because we think like, well, uh, then, then, then what? And God's response all through scripture is usually, and so if you're getting this response, just know it's biblical, like just do what I'm asking you now and then I'll make the next thing clear. Just take the first step. And here's what I would tell you. I fully believe that every single one of us in here has something that God is asking us to do that we are waiting on the rest of the plan to take the first step. And I wonder what sort of big God story is hinged upon you just being obedient in the moment without having the rest of the information. 
without knowing where it's going to go, without understanding the full plan or how this is going to ripple into that. Like, what if all you are needing to do in the moment is just to, to answer the question and just to act on that one thing? And yet you are under the impression you're waiting on God, and in reality, God is really waiting on you. I would say if you are not acting on whatever it is God is telling you, that's why you're stuck. You, you probably don't need more information. You need to take action. Because the reality of it is, and this is what we see in this whole story, transformation happens through active participation, not passive observation. Active participation, not passive observation. And I think it's interesting that this is the term that we use for Christmas. Oh, are you guys observing the holidays? Are you going to observe Christmas? How are you going to observe the celebration, the season? But the challenge of Christmas is not to observe it. It's to participate in it. It's, it's not just for us to acknowledge the proposal. It's for us to act and to actively be engaged. And if you're wondering why you feel stuck in life and, and why things aren't moving forward and why maybe the thing that, that God is supposed to do in your life doesn't really feel like it's doing much of anything, could it be that you are just sort of passively observing and waiting instead of actively participating? Because it's by acting on what God says about us that cements in who we really are. By observing ourselves doing what God has told us to do that allows us to believe that we actually are who God says we are. James, the brother of Jesus, who grew up hearing the Christmas story and then watching his brother come to popularity as a rabbi and teach and perform miracles, he talked about this concept this way. James chapter 1, verse 22, he says this, don't just listen to God's word, do what it says. James is very to the point. I don't know if you guys notice this. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. If you listen and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you do what God says and don't forget what you heard, then he will bless you for doing it. Interesting, right? There's an if-then statement at the very end of this passage. If... God has proposed. The question is not, does God love you? Does God see you? Does God want you? The question is, not did the proposal take place, but are you going to engage? If you follow through on what he's asked you to do, then God's blessing will begin to become clear and present in your life. And so here's my question for you this Christmas. Uh, it's sort of a two-parter. And it really comes down to the two things I think that any proposal um, like puts in front of us. Who does God say you are? What is God asking you to do? As we look at closing out this year, moving into the new year, who does God say that you are? And what is God asking you to do? In, in the moment that I proposed to Gretchen, my wife, uh, 
this is what it looked like. I'm like, babe, this is why I love you. I see you like this and like this, and I like this thing about you, and, and you're, you're like this, and this is what amazes me, and I love this trait, and this is what I would like to ask you to do. Will you commit to doing the dishes in our house for the rest of all time? But I'll do the laundry. I'm telling you, I'll do the laundry, but we both know I'm not good enough at the dishes. declaring who that person is and then asking for a commitment. And this is the thing that I I want you to know. Like, God wants more than just to tell you that you're loved. God wants you to live out his love by acting upon it in this coming year. And that is the greatest gift that you could give yourself is to actually respond to what has been presented to you. Um, but it requires you to do something. If you are wanting this year to be truly transformational in your life, you are going to have to move from observation to participation. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I will tell you this. um, It's probably a small step. It probably requires faith. It probably requires a little bit of uncomfortability, a little bit of consistency, And it involves you stepping into who you really are, who God says you really are. And when you do that, it changes everything. And that's what I'm going to pray into your life on this Christmas day, that that would become um, obvious to you and that you would have the courage to move toward it and then just watch what God does. I wonder what amazing stories will be told and retold because of your first step of obedience. You think any of these people had a clue what was going to happen? No, I don't think you do either. I do know this, God does not think small. He plans big, he starts small. Follow him. Would you bow your heads uh, across this room? I just wanna pray this into your life today. God, I am incredibly grateful for the gift of your son, Jesus. God, I'm grateful that you loved us so much that you gave us the most incredible gift, yourself, wrapped in flesh and blood and bone, come down to earth to be with us, to experience life like us, and to essentially propose to us, to say, I love you, I'm for you, I want the best for you, here's what I'm challenging you to do. God, I pray that this would be a year in which we engage. And because of it, we see amazing transformation take place in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in our community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.